from the Graham Eady Physiology Centre. It's the Rugby League Cemetery. Yes, this is the Rugby League Cemetery and we are spending our second straight week in the 1970s, ladies and gentlemen. And we're looking at the 1978 Grand Final, Mark 1, uh, Cronulla 11, Manly 11, in front of 51,510 at the Sydney Cricket Ground. Uh, a match which uh, is probably most remarkable because the it was the second year in a row that there had, had to be a Grand Final replay, the second draw in a row uh, in the New South Wales Rugby League, despite there only having been three in history. There was one back in the 1900s and then not another one until 1977 and then another one the very next year. Cronulla 11, Manly 11. Uh, Gazzy, we talked a bit about 70s football last week and about the uh, the strangeness of watching it through uh, our eyes having started watching footy in the 90s. Uh, I think you said last week about 77 that it was there was a lot of scrap and, and a lot of not much in the game and then all of a sudden something exciting would break out uh, I've got to say about 78, it didn't really even have that. Yeah, yeah, that, that's about right. It, this is a scrappy, feisty game, uh, battling away in the middle of the field under a, quite a bizarre set of rules that the 70s were played under. And yeah, unfortunately, this one doesn't break out into into too much exciting. Um, I'm, glad, I'm glad we watched it. We've got to look at a couple of very good players who have quite good games. But yeah, look, overall, this is a game that seems to fit that timeline. Uh, by the fifth minute of the game, we have two scrums and two penalties for unspecified or undisclosable sort of errors that I can't work out. We've got the third and the 13th, the fourth and the 24th, 21st. Uh, we've got a hell of a lot of penalty goal attempts um, by one side kicking quite poorly and one kicking quite well. And we've got two tries off bombs. <laughs> so, you know, and a lot of kicks out on the full that weren't punished by the sets <laughs> of rules. So yeah. it's, um, uh, it's, yeah, it, it, it's, uh, I think this, you know, this was a game without Lord Ted busting into the backfield, wasn't it? And without Ray it Price really going was. down the blind side. Yeah. Yeah. There yeah. are two real moments of absolute quality in 77 and, and 78 just mm. never gets to that point. There are some, there, there are some wonderful bits of play and some very good players, mm. but it doesn't hit anywhere near the heights of 77, despite also mm. being a draw. Uh, if we go through a bit of the background of the game, uh, Cronulla, of course, admitted only only admitted to the competition in, 19, <clears throat> in 1967. They'd won the spoon, then come 10th, then won the spoon to start. But they were runners-up in 1973 uh, and lost 7-3 to Manly in a famously violent game. But they didn't make the finals again until 1978. They won seven in a row to start the 78 season, led the comp for, mess, for most of the year, but lost in the last two games to Manly and then to Wests to give Wests the minor premiership. Uh, Cronulla, they beat Manly for the first time all season, 17-12 in the first week of the semis, then knocked off the minor premiers Wests, 14-10 in the second, to send themselves through to the grand final with a week to spare. They had the best defence in the competition, conceding only 260 points in 22 premiership games, finishing second on 30 points. Uh, And a young side too, with plenty to look forward to. Uh, guys like Mick Mullane and Steve Rogers, who'd only just come into football, you know, only in their very early 20s, uh, getting the side around the park. Uh, Manly, of course, kings of the 1970s. 
let me run you. I want to run you through Gazzy, their record from 1968 onwards, if you'll indulge. Mm. I shall. Yeah. Uh, runners up in 68, preliminary final in 69, runners up in 70, preliminary final in 71, premiership 72, premiership 73, minor semi final in 74, prelim in 75, premiership in 76, minor semi final in 77, and then back in the grand final in 78. Yeah, it's quite remarkable, isn't it? Um, I suppose one of the remarkable things, again, uh, by this time, is that they they do no longer have Bob Fulton um, mm. by this stage. And, and Bob Fulton is an immortal, and, and I suppose it's a real credit to them and, and that they go on to still be quite successful after this as well, is um, in the early 80s they have, have a bit of a run and, and make finals again. Um, and it, it seems to me that not a lot of sides have been able to do that over history. If you look at St George after their 11 in a row, they certainly... Um, didn't carry on as consistently as Manly did. Um, you know, they got their sort of immortals retired and their great side retired. They certainly didn't sustain the same level of success over the next decades. Um, Parramatta have never been any good again since <laughs> since no, Sterling right. and, and Kenny, um, you know, uh, even Newcastle, once Andrew John's retired, have never really been able to do a lot. Darren Lockyer leaves the Broncos and that sort of it. Um, it is quite remarkable that you could lose a play. A run like that is explainable by having someone like Bob Fulton with his status in the game. But to continue to make yourself uh, a very, very good side and to win competitions without that in your team is, is quite a remarkable feat that probably needs acknowledging is how good they were as a club. Yeah, that's right. Um, Fulton left at the end of 76, so he's playing for East at this point, but mm. uh, but Manly are still making the finals and, and are back in a grand final only in his second year there. Uh, they had a pretty steady year. They, they were fifth after round 18. They really kind of plotted, you know, sputtered along three wins here, two wins there. Uh, but they won their last five in a re- in a row in the regular season to get up to third, including beating Wests and Cronulla in their last handful of games to end the season, there was a bit of a sense, that, or there must have been a bit of a sense that they were coming good at the right time because they uh, they really rolled into the finals and beat the two sides that ended up finishing ahead of them on the table. Uh, average crowd of 13,503 for Manly in 78, which is understandable given the way they'd gone through the decade. Um, I want to run you through the table and then I just want to talk a bit about their run. Mm. Uh, West 33, Cronulla 30, Manly 30, Canterbury 28, Parramatta 28. A very competitive season. Now, we've just said that Manly won their last five to get into the finals and finish third. They then lost to Cronulla in the first week, as we've just heard, 17-12. Then they find themselves in the knockout semi-final, 13-3 behind to Parramatta. They steam back and have a draw, 13-all. They then... Play them in a Wednesday replay. They play Parramatta again. There's no extra time. There's not even any extra time. They go straight to a replay on a Wednesday. And they're down 11-2 in that game. Roll back and win 17-11. Then they play Wests, who were the minor premiers, and have only played one game in the finals to their three and beat them 14-7 in a spiteful game. The famous Fibro-Silvertails era this. And that gets them into the grand final. And there's all this controversy about Greg Hartley blowing seven tackle sets, Parramatta lodge a protest to try and get the match replayed, which I'm sure is just what Manly were after a third. <laughs> and the people of New South Wales were all about a third game between those sides. Yeah, on the Thursday. <laughs> on a, yeah, yeah, play on the Thursday. Yeah. And then roll up again on the Saturday for the semi. Uh, but that is... But Parramatta tried to have the game annulled at one point. 
Uh, and there's all this, you know, Hollywood Hartley, seven tackles, tries and all this kind of thing. But that is an unbelievable run to a grand final, isn't it? Yeah, which they then have to play twice. <laughs> yeah, that's it. So <laughs> the they, up, they play yeah. six games yeah. in the finals to win the premiership in 24 I think it's days. In about, yeah, 24 days. Yeah, it is. It's quite incredible too. Um, yeah, and look, obviously there was a lot of controversy, but uh, nonetheless, it's a pretty, pretty remarkable run and and to have the energy to win quite convincingly when it comes to the the replay um is incredible because you wonder how they you know um whether extra time would have started to bite them in some of these games <laughs> well, <laughs> we played all this where they might have run out of steam but given they kept winning the replays maybe maybe not maybe i'm just uh um sort of inventing things there but you, you know you know it's remarkable that is you know it's also very funny um, mm. So by my count, the minor premiers back then got the first week off, didn't they? That's how the system went. Yeah, that's right. So, so the Magpies, like, because they lost that game, to, to have won the minor premiership, their basic reward was they went out of the semifinals in a five-team series by losing to second and then third. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> so yeah, like yeah. having won the minor, I know they lost the one and two playoff, but basically they, they get there at the start of the finals having been the minor premiers. They have to play the second best side, and you know, like that can be lost by the team who won fairly easily. And all of a sudden, then they're in elimination v the third side. And I know they're in, it's four a week off, and then it's in the prelim, so there is a reward there, but it's just very funny that sort of mainly chop through with about six games, but play sort of almost everyone and, and West just go, well, we get to play the second best team and the third best team, wipe, wipe out. We never played anyone at the bottom half of the final, yeah. final series. Yeah. And we, none of the easier teams did we get to play against. Yeah, it is a little bit rough. Well, it's funny when you're, the thing about the top five is it, it has kind of uh, funny consequences when the teams are really close together. Mm. You know? yeah. So like second to fifth in, in, uh, this season were only two points. There was only two points between the four of them, mm. but Canterbury and Parramatta end up in an eliminator in week one and have to win four times to get into the grand final. And Cronulla only end up having to win twice to get into the yeah. grand final. Oh, sorry. They have to win three times to get in, but yeah. Um, uh, Parramatta and Canterbury, I mean, they have to win three times, but uh, yeah, it is. It's very odd. Um, I don't, I don't hate the top five system, but it, it did toss up kind of strange, uh, strange paths to the grand final for, for different sides, depending on not very much over the over the course of the season. Mm. Yeah, I don't know that I'd want the week off. Like the West thing, once you 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 get a week off and then you're playing second, so I, I don't know. Like if you look at it now, if I if I sort of was a club like the Roosters or something, and I finished first. I don't know that I'd want to get a week off while, say, Melbourne, a really other good side that we could lose to, came second, played a game, kept that fitness going, then you played them, yeah. and then you lose it, and all of a sudden you're in a game where you've played someone who's on a three-game winning streak from the fourth or fifth, third, fourth or fifth, they've won twice, and you're stuck playing them in a game when you've played once in three weeks and sort of lost it. It's just, I don't know, mm. it just, um, it's sort of, I don't know that, it's good for your health and if you go in a bit battered and all that, that that's good. And certainly if you win, it rewards you. But I think if you lose that one B, if you play second in that second week and you lose it, you really are quite on the back foot by having lost to a team that really you would expect to play in the grand final. Like first and second, you expect that they might be the two that go all the way and you've got to play them in week two. And if you don't win it, all of a sudden you're sort of playing yeah. off a loss and, and playing teams on a bit of a roll. So I don't know. It's everything has its plus and minuses, but it's, yeah, you want to win that first game in week two, I think, or you're in a fair bit of strife. Just one more stat out of 1978 or two more stats out of 78. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
the top tries and the top points. The top try scorer, Larry Corowa. Uh, now, the Tigers finished uh, finished eighth in 1978. They didn't have a particularly good year, but Larry Corowa scored 24 tries. It's incredible. It was fairly good going, isn't it? Yeah. And, uh, and well, top the year before, wasn't the leading try scorer like 13 or 14 when we looked at it? We, yeah, it was for one, whoever yeah. for whoever made yeah. the grand final, at least yeah. it was. Yeah, 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 yeah. 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 No, it's a stunning year. And uh, mm. pa- uh, Parramatta's Mick Cronin, uh, 282 points in yeah. yeah in 78, which again, fairly Must good. Must a lot of shots at goal. Must well, that's <laughs> right. Um, I'll run you through the teams quickly uh, before we get into a couple of the players that you were keen on. Uh, mm-hmm. Manly, fullback Graham Eady, wings Tom Mooney and, uh, and Simon Booth, centres Stephen Knight and Russell Gartner, the halves Alan Thompson and Steve Martin, the forwards Ian Martin, Terry Randall, Bruce Walker, John Harvey, Max Krillich, the captain, and Ian Thompson, and a bench, uh, and the uh, coach is Frank Stanton. Didn't use any substitutes in this game, Manly, having played five games <laughs> in 20 days, decided to just leave the 13 out there to get it done. Uh, Cronulla, Fullback Mick Mullane, the wings Rick Burke and Steve Edmonds. The centres, Dave Chamberlain, who was named at 5'8", and Steve Rogers. Uh, Barry Andrews, named at lock, pushed into 5'8". Steve Hansard, the halfback. And the forwards, John Glossop, Steve uh, Steve Neen, Eric Archer, Paul Kahn, John McMartin and Gary Stairs. And they did use a couple of replacements, Peter Ryan and Martin Raftery. And coached, of course, by the great man, Norm Sticks Proven. I mean, I think in all the games that we've watched, those are probably the sides with the fewest players that we know of. And and um, like Cronulla, for example, you don't. There aren't a lot of Cronulla players who have been really well remembered by the game. You know, from that from this kind of era. Um, so everybody will know. You know, everybody of course knows Steve Rogers, and there are a few other names there that that are familiar, but uh, but not not as many as compared even to '77. No, definitely, definitely. Cronulla's really only sludge in terms of being really well remembered. And then uh, when you go through Manly, um, apart from from the Wombat 80, what you've got is a couple of um, forwards that are remembered for being really tough as nails, mm. um, which is like not, not, not a discredit. Those are wonderful players and we've seen them play twice now where they were tough and hard um, with that Newtown game we watched. But um, yeah, it doesn't, when the only players that have been remembered by history are a bunch of really like hard-nosed forwards, that probably explains why the game was a bit this way. Yeah, you that's know? right. Um, it, it's um, yeah. So you're exactly right. There's probably not a lot of uh, attacking players or, or, or sort of sparkling players in this game that are remembered by history. Yeah. Now you wanted to talk about a couple. Uh, let it rip. Yep. Yep. So oh, look, uh, this is fairly generic, but there's two players. I think. Look, this was a scrappy game where not a lot of players stood out, and two players that are well remembered by history probably did stand out. So we'll give them a run. The first one, Steve Rogers, um, was probably the standout for Cronulla during the game. Um, he was a, 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 a he didn't get a heap of opportunities, but to run, but he made a really nice line break early and a couple of half breaks. He's a wonderful poised and balanced runner. Um, hey, geez, he's forcibly remo- reminds me of his son, Matt Rogers, like in looks and running style. Like he had this lovely balance and way of moving. Um, he he just geez, he was very reminiscent of Matt Rogers. If you're wondering what he played like, that's not a bad start. He probably wasn't as quick as Matt, but. Uh, very but similar a bit, runner. But a bit bigger, I think. Yeah, probably why he wasn't as quick. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> he was yeah. a bit bigger and thicker. Um, he, he was a, 
a beautiful kicker of the ball. His Wasn't kicking he? in this game is a class above anyone else. Uh, firstly, his general play kicking is, is wonderful. Um, when he kicked for touch, he was a mile ahead of his time. It sounds like a silly thing to say, but it was very noticeable. He was chewing off nearly double to triple the metres of anyone else. He'd get the ball. Yeah. Even today, this would have been noticeable. He'd get the ball 10 metres in from the sideline. Instead of just duffing it with a straight kick into touch, he'd absolutely belt it downfield on the angle and cut off sort of 30, 40 metres. When he got it in midfield, there was one of them they nearly made 50 metres off a kick for touch. Um, and that's important at any time. And one of my main gripes in the modern era has been people just not trying. I'm not saying you should miss touch to do this, but they sort of really don't. They kick it 15 metres a lot of the time. Like you get guys, just, they don't seem to chew it off. But back then, I think it was even more important because these are a scrappy battling contest. It's so hard to make ground. So hard to make ground. And, and he was kicking like well, well in advance of his opposition and well in advance of anything I've seen in probably the 70s or 80s. Um, yeah. Probably until Ricky Stewart came in, I didn't see anyone two metres like this. And lastly, goal kicking was beautiful. Beautiful goal kicker. He nails yeah, he everyone in this game. Hit him beautifully. Didn't look like missing. Nailed him from everywhere. And um, obviously, we'll probably talk about this one later. But in, like, he kicks, in that era, a very tough goal to tie this game. It's an absolutely clutch goal from reasonably wide and from 28 out when in an era where people didn't do it. Um, and yeah, look, look overall, I think if you looked at him today, he would be a, either a fullback or a 5'8". That would be his position. Lovely kicker of the ball, chimed in. He, he clearly looked nice in space. He didn't get a heap of space, but you could tell he was good in it. He made a nice line break where, where the next guy will talk about clobbered him, but he, he went through with lovely balance. And if you think he'd be that full, he'd either be that fullback when he was young and maybe moving into 5'8 later on because he was clever with the ball and did a lot of that general play stuff, that'd probably be his go. Um, on a side note, if you'll indulge me, I, for the life of me, can never understand why his son, Matt Rogers, didn't play fullback. He was yeah, he did right, rugby union, but he was just built to play fullback and he played 250 games there now, all at rep level too. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but anyway, yeah. um, I'm not sure why he was Steve on the wing. Was, uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah, Steve was... Uh, and I knew I thought an unusual shape for this time yeah. that this game's played and would have been um, would have fitted in his body shape would have fitted in much better in current football. He's one of the few guys from this era that I've watched who physically look like they could have kind of gone fairly seamlessly into modern football. Like he was really strong and robust and tall yeah. and not an ounce of fat on him. And he, yeah, he was a really good. Um, yep. Yeah, he was a really good shape, which I suppose leads us into our to, to our second player who wasn't <laughs> so much. Or wasn't so much. <laughs> yeah. The Wombat. Yeah. Uh, he's a funny looking shape, Graham Eady. Uh, he had a really good game. Uh, I'll go through some of his moments, but I'll start off uh, by nailing my colours to the mast. Uh, clear winner of the Churchill, if they were awarding it back then, in my opinion. Oh, yeah. Yeah, um, no risk in the world. Yeah, the best player on the field by a long distance. Uh, there's probably two elements to him um, to cover. Uh, firstly, his defence just needs to be remarked upon. Um, he saves maybe four breaks in this game with absolutely heavy whacking contact on the guys Doesn't who break clear. Oh, yeah. There's like one in the, the first half. Yeah. Um, Rogers one's unbelievable. Like, yeah, he belts in. Steve Rogers bursts through and he comes to Edie who just flattens him. How's yep. that? Like, it is, yep. it would be a good shot anywhere on the field. Never mind. It's like... This is not a cover tackle around the laces. This is an absolute slotting. Front on, front on, bang, smash. Um, Whack, have that. 
there's maybe three in the second half where they make breaks or half breaks, they get clear, and he just whacks the guy with the ball. And and that there, I reckon he, you know, those moments in themselves are probably the reason they win the game because the chances to score are a taken away on that play, but b he really takes it away from the next play because he yeah. just kills the guy with the ball, and they just don't then get up quickly and go again. They just end up sort of back in the back in the grind, and and he gets to sit on them for a while in the tackle. Um, and and I thought that was quite incredible. It's some of the best defence I've seen. Uh, it, probably in modern days, the only fullbacks I've seen do that were Carmichael Hunt and, and Jack Whiten before he made the 5'8". Like, <laughs> yeah. Jack Whiten used to... like they, These guys that you break clear, and instead of thinking, oh, is he going to draw and pass or what's going to happen, you wait for the fullback to murder them. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, it, it, it's very rare. And, you know, it, and it makes a difference because I, I, I've heard um, it sort of said that people encourage fullbacks to do this if they can because if you come up and you think and draw and pass... And you've got a guy like this who you know is going to kill you. What ends up happening is a lot of the times they get put off and they pass too early or they, they get a bit spooked. So instead of t- you don't want to take it right into Graham Eady and pass it the last second to your support runner because you're going to die. No, so you, you sort of yeah. end up going, oh, and passing too early. early. Yeah. yeah, your reputation can save tries. And I think that happened with White in a bit, to be honest. He started to – guys get a bit spooked because they were like, I'm going to have to, like, go off HIA if I draw him and pass. I'm going <laughs> to get hurt. Like, it's – and, it, yeah, it's, it's good. It's good to see. So – but the other thing is, um, he was a wonderful attacking fullback in this game. He, uh, the, the quintessential chiming into the line is probably yeah. the thing where he just kept chiming in at pace. He's got this weird shape. The Wombat's his nickname, and that is for a reason because of what he looks like. It's an odd shape. He doesn't look fast. But when they run these backline plays, he bursts onto the ball at real pace every time. Every time he ran it sometimes, he had a nice sense of when they had him covered and he'd got pass off his hip to the next guy. And, and he knew when to carry it and when to go off his hip to the next guy. And it just looked beautiful and fast and clean every time he did it. It was yeah, really the wonderful. Thing, the thing that jumped out to me about him was the change of pace that he had, the ability to accelerate when he got the ball. And often that, I mean, that, that can be more dangerous than someone who's really quick, isn't it? It's someone who can go from, from kind of cantering to full speed. Um, It's like he touched it and then they hit fast forward. Like he got it and then it was boom. Oh Jesus. What happened there? He was absolutely electric. I, I, he doesn't, uh, he doesn't score in this game. He doesn't set up a try or anything, but you can just see he had so much threat. And break, you know, a lot of half breaks and beat the first man and get upfield and all this kind of thing. He, he was really impressive. There's one moment, I think, that also... He, he, we talked about Steve Rogers going in seamlessly to the modern game. There's a play here that very much is just elite football that even now you only... Like, this is the sort of thing that even now they'll just highlight in James Tedesco and show why he, that makes him better than sort of the next two, three or four guys. And that play yeah. was... He gets it in the second half and he takes his big chiming in run down the left edge where he does just what we spoke about, bang into the back line. And then it's not really on. So he goes off his hip and the, the, the sort of guy that was playing where a left centre would now makes the run, makes a half break and gets tackled. Then yeah. they get the ball from dummy half and they go one pass, two pass, three pass, and he catches it at basically right centre, chiming in on the other side. So he's come big sweeping back line to the left, 
bang, have that at pace, hits his centre. And then by the time they've played the ball, he's three or four players wide on the right edge and gets the ball basically at right centre and hits the second man in on that side. So it's these back-to-back attacking raids where he manages to get himself. Keep in mind that this is the 1970s and professional players yeah. now who train all week to do this and are, are you know on set diets, set fitness regimes, they're all ripped with six-packs and everything else, can't find the energy a lot they of the time. They largely don't do this, this. yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, like Tedesco doing this is, and Billy Slater doing this is almost one of the, together with their pace, is almost the reason that they're better than everyone else. It's just the ability to get themselves in positions to use it every play, no matter what's happened, they're always there. And that this was, you know, it's pretty special, actually. Like, it, nothing happens on either of those plays, but doing that all the time is why you win games and why you get into grand finals. Because if you're just getting one of your really good players to have the motivation and, and the aerobic capacity and everything else to get in positions to be dangerous is what gives you the percentage chance of scoring yeah. once or twice a game. If you're there 20 times, not 10, then, you know, that's just what's at some point something will, yeah. something will happen for you. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. He, he was mm. tremendous. It was really nice to watch him actually. Cause you hear people, mm. I think when we were younger, um, Graham Eady was quite, you know, you'd hear people talk about naming best New South Wales and Queensland sides and this kind of thing. And Graham Eady was right there. Like, people would talk about him as one of the best fullbacks ever. Um, yeah, we've had yeah. so many good fullbacks in the last 20 years or so that guys from... It's almost like sometimes that the fullback position was only invented in about 1996. You know what I mean? And the, But but this... It, it's Guys, like it's good to watch someone like him from that era. Yeah, absolutely. Because the, the fullback position is probably the position that's changed the most of any position, maybe the dummy half as well. But it's changed so much that it, it back then it was probably a lot less common for your best player on the field to play there. So now it's like almost every great player nearly that coming through is almost a fullback, you know, that you yeah. could name the top five players in the game and three of them are probably be fullbacks. It's, yeah. it's, it's, so it's, it's, it's changed so much that you're right. It has obscured those guys, but you are right. Even when Brett Stewart came through at Manly, like for a long time when he was the Prince of Brookvale scoring at 60 tries and six, first 60 at Manly, people were going, Oh, he's the best since 80. They weren't saying, Best ever. Even yeah. then in the 2000s, it was, oh, he's our best since Eddie or will he go past the Wombat? So yeah. it was a guy that probably, yeah, until our teens was still very talked about in Sydney and, and old manly people will still talk very fondly about. Yeah. There you go. This is one of the great joys of the cemetery is that occasionally uh, we get to watch a player that we know is good and we get to see how good they are. Uh, and I think that's the case there with Graham Eady. Uh, and it was worth watching this game to watch yeah. him. Yeah, to watch him and yeah, Steve Rogers and, and, and yeah, that's right. Uh, we might get into the game. Uh, I want to share with you a comment from uh, Rex Mossop uh, about the about Norm Proven's tactics uh, from before kickoff. Uh, it is a bit lengthy, but I think it. I think I, I think it, well, I did. I took the time to write it down in full, just so you could understand the the, the full extent of it. Barry Andrews is another player who's had hamstring trouble. His name has been associated with the block position for much of the early part of this week. Finally, we think he's at his true position of 5'8", but I've got a sneaking suspicion that Proven may have something up his sleeve in the way of positional changes in which Andrews could well and truly figure. Um, he, he was named to start at lock. He's playing 5'8". He's got a dodgy hammy. They might change it up later. Would that sum it up in shorter words? Yes, basically, yeah. Um, I... It's just language, isn't it? It's a, mm. just a use of language that I've never heard from anybody else before. There's another one later on which mm. I'll come to, but it just the, the, the kind of the bizarre contortion mm. 
Mm. Yeah. Uh, did he, um, how did he, it's one thing, while we're on sort of sticks, just because we mentioned his record, yeah. did he ever, how long did he end up coaching for? Did he ever win anything? Because of the, of the immortals, Fulton um, has a wonderful coaching record, but not a lot of them have um, coached. Well, Sticks was of, captain coach for a lot of those. For, I'm not sure how many. Coach, yeah. He was captain coach of the Invincibles yeah. for quite a few, quite a long mm. part of their run. Um, yeah. I think, but I'll have to double check that. But he then, he then ended up at, uh, Ended up at Cronulla. I mean, obviously he didn't win the comp there, but no. yeah, he won it quite a few times at uh, yeah. at, at St George. And, yeah, and as a captain coach, and, okay. and yeah. people who toss him up as as a, as a, you know someone who should be an immortal, mm. um, it, you know that is kind of part of the part of the case for him is that mm. uh, is that he, he had so much success as a coach. Uh, he was captain coach for four of the of the yeah, eleven. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So I think I, the only other one's Fulton that's done much in the way of coaching. I would have thought that. Um, yeah, successful. I mean, Mal, but I mean, at club level, um, to win competitions, I mean, so it's only... a pretty big mark to be that good, and to then, um, you know, but not a lot of them, the immortals have, have coached really like club. It's such a different skill; it's just quite remarkable to to have that as well. You know what I mean? Yeah. So he he coached uh, St George after he when he retired. He then coached St George in '68. Uh, he coached Parramatta for a year in '75. Mm. And uh, he had just, just the two years with Cronulla, 78 and 79. Okay. Yeah. And to make them one with them, you know, they didn't make a habit of making them. So he obviously had a bit of, uh, bit of ability there as well. Yeah, that's right. Uh, Cronulla came, the other thing worth mentioning is Cronulla came into this game with their captain, Greg Pierce out, which couldn't have helped, mm. uh, especially in a close game. What was the go with all the players on the field before the game from the other, in the other clubs gear? Did you get onto that? I'm not sure. Uh, do you have any idea why the ground was? Uh, we might get into this during the game, but why it was strewn with streamers like horrifically, like they were yeah, having I don't run know. through confetti the whole game. There was like, there were just bits of like crepe paper all over the yeah. field for the whole match. Not 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 little bits like either. I just want people who haven't seen it to understand that this looked like it was like this looked like if you've ever been to a music, seen a music festival the next day, like the next day after, and they're like, they're going in to clean up and it's a bonsai. It'd be like playing yeah, on yeah, that. Yeah. Like it's just strewn yeah. with shit everywhere. That's right. Everywhere. <laughs> yeah. Just from the pre-match, I think just from the yeah. pre-match entertainment. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I don't know what yeah, the, well, yeah. but I, it, it looked like a, uh, it looked like a big affair, whatever happened. Sadly, the, uh, the, the coverage that we got to see cuts in, uh, quite a way before, uh, cuts in quite late. So you only kind of see mm. a high shot of the ground and then the players running on. So we don't know what the pre-match entertainment was. We don't know if Julie Anthony sung the national anthem, any of that really. I can tell you what the pre-match entertainment was. Give me one moment. I've got it here. Oh, and yeah, it's good. Quite, yeah, quite no, good. it's quite good because it's, it's, it's got a Rex quote. R- run me through while I get it. Well, I just, while, while, <clears throat> while, I've got, while you're doing that, I can tell you that uh, based on the, Wild controversy surrounding Greg Hartley during the during the seventy eight finals, uh, including multiple allegations of seven tackle sets and attempts at uh, mm. having matches annulled. He was then appointed to referee the grand final. Now I've got some thoughts on Greg Hartley, which I'll come to, but I can yeah, tell you also tell you that in commentary it was uh, it was the great Rex Mossop uh, and his offsider Barry Ross. Uh, so this must have been Barry's first year. He didn't he didn't appear in seventy seven, I don't think, but he appears in seventy eight. What do you got there, Gazzy? All right, so I've got it for you. So what happened was they had two uh, people in parachutes floating down towards a target on the halfway line of the SCG. Fantastic. Um, one, one of them in, in Cronulla colours and one in Manly colours, uh, yes. which is good. Uh, both of them ended up landing about a metre 
either side of the target. So they really nailed it. They landed a meter either side of the target. And the moose has commented, bless my soul, is that an omen? Surely we're not going to have another draw. Oh, the moose. Well, see. That's why I had to share it. There's once you brought it up, I felt like I had to share it. Prescience. He was very bothered. He was very bothered by the draw in 77. Mm. It really caused him to malfunction. So it's not a great surprise that he would be bothered by the prospect of another one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, he wasn't quite. Yeah, well, I think we'll get to that. <laughs> yeah, he yeah. he got. Yeah, he got progressively more bothered as the match went on. Uh, the the events of the game: the fourth minute, uh, Steve Rogers kicks a very good penalty goal from out wide on the borderline off a scrum penalty, of course. Mm. Uh, then in the sixteenth minute, he kicks another one from thirty out and quite wide. This is a booming kick; it's an absolute belter. Uh, mm. But that gets them to four nil, so they go four nil in front. Uh, I was very impressed with, you know, that one of the things that's gone out of the game, Gazzy, largely is, uh, is banners with kind of, you know, mm. ill-thought-out slogans. Uh, <laughs> I want to share this one for you from, uh, with you from 1978. Sharks eat sea eagles. Yeah, good, good. They, yeah, I don't know if that's correct. If you look I at the I don't think chain. it is. I, I don't think... Um, yeah, they wouldn't cross paths hugely. In the no. Yeah. Um, sort of they exist on seagulls don't swim, yeah. yeah. Um, Fleet in contact with the water in which sharks but, are confined to largely. That's right, but it was yeah. absolutely kind of blunt, and yeah, and, well, it, it sends a message, yeah, it, it sends does. a message, yeah. It's um, look, they 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 the best part of the game probably is early. I think Cronulla do start quite brightly with the ball for a 10 minute period there, they make a lot of half breaks and a full break and and get downfield and look quite on top of the game. It, it sort of takes a little bit of time to settle into a grind. I think there is a, a bright spark period there at the start there. I think it'd be fair to say it's probably about as good as the the football gets. Um, yep. Is that sort of a fair enough comment? Yep, I think that's right. Uh, I just want to... The, the second penalty goal is the one I want to fo- focus mm. on because it comes from Neem uh, getting a card in the ball up and getting absolutely belted by Harvey. Yeah. Now, uh, John Harvey comes across and just clobbers him. And Neem goes to ground, bleeding from the head and sort of completely knocked stone motherless. And referee Greg Hartley says, no, no, it's around the chest. Um, and awards a scrum. That was... It. Look, I don't know. This might be a bit niche for some people because not everyone yeah. follows the Knights like we do. But this was like Clint Newton on Ashton Sims sort of territory. Like, yeah. this was a swinging. If anyone remembers that, he got a long time out and got probably sent off, if not. I can't remember. I think he got sent, sent off. off yeah. yeah, rightfully. So he comes through, um, and basically, this is a forearm elbow straight to the head. Yeah. Like, he swings his, um, not like a stiff arm, like he swings out his elbow and an arm away from his body and uses it to batter into the guy's head. And um, Hartley is just a complete dickhead. He gets several calls in this game. He's got no idea what he, and he just flamboyantly signals everything. He's he a is. dickhead. Like, he's standing right there. And this is just... This is a this you go to jail for this like quite seriously. Yeah. If it was on the street. It's one of the most violent. It just well, he just forearms him in the head, knocks him out cold. Like the, the bloke's laid out like a fried egg on the deck. And he's bleeding from the face. He's bleeding, bleeding from, from the, the head. mouth. And you he's can going, see where yeah. it got him. Like he's got yeah, blood off the chest. Yeah, yeah. And <laughs> Hartley's going no, 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 not high. No, it's his shoulders off the chest. Um, he was too. He was a real show pony, wasn't he? 
like just mm, prancing yeah. about these stupid flamboyant stiff arms mm. like uh, signals billy bowden stuff this is billy yeah. bowden signaling like really just stupidly trying to make a story of his own so like you can't just signal and knock on you've got to do some wild sort of goose flap to sort of get it done on every That's call right. like he, for no reason yeah he really was the he he really was the kind of philosophical predecessor of bill harrigan wasn't he you know you could see mm. why people adopted the hollywood kind of uh, yeah, he, he he really was because you could just yeah. see that he thought he was interesting and he was the story. Yeah, I, I had no time for. I, I really disliked him. I, I took immediate the, dislike to him within the first five minutes. He had a bad game too. He had a bad game. Yeah, like he he was calling really. He called a lot of high. That was the worst one. But he called a lot of very poor high tackle calls. He called a lot of. I think he made quite a few mistakes. But he strutted around like a peacock with all the confidence of someone who thought he'd made none. Yeah, um, it's funny. Was, yeah, and. Cronulla, um, I mean, Cronulla are entitled to think this is a fairly big moment in the game because one of their mm. players gets knocked out cold by a swinging elbow and the guy stays on the field mm. in the grand final, in, like in the 10th minute. You don't think Manly, who'd played, played their fifth game in 20 days, mm. might, might have suffered somewhat from one of their players being either sinbinned or sent off. Mm. Early, so they also don't even, early, get, a, they don't even get a penalty. No, they don't even get a penalty. No, like, let alone getting a, getting someone since sent off. They don't even get a penalty. No, they get. They <laughs> did, and the great irony of this is that they get. They end up getting a scrum penalty mm. because it hardly blows the scrum, and it gives them a penalty <laughs> for the scrum. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so they end up getting the wrong, yeah. the, completely the wrong way. Yeah, uh, it's incredible. Fun. Yeah, it was. Um, on them getting a scrum penalty, I, I think that this is uh, a good point to just bring up with you. That I, yes. did, I spoke last game to you about how I reckon there would have been some tactics around the fifth tackle and everything else. And there's a l- game moment late in the um, 77 grand final where they uh, hold Parramatta hold their ball in their own half and like on the fifth tackle sort of intentionally go to a scrum rather than uh, kicking it on the last tackle. Can I say that it seemed very obvious to me in this game that, that this was a tactic. Cronulla did yeah. this all game. Cronulla barely kicked the ball out of their own half. I reckon that when they were in their own end, I, they probably had... I'd be surprised if it wasn't 10 turnovers and something yeah. like four, four or five kicks. They intentionally backed their scrum every single time. So it was one of those bizarre pieces of football I've seen because you have a team coming out of trouble or coming out of their own sort of 20 and they go hit up, hit up, hit up, hit up, hit up. And then just hit it up again. Like yeah. they put on a play, let's hit it up on the last one. They go, well, let's hit it up and let's turn it over and let's win the scrum. And um, Rex would the say. ended uh, up about even, I think. I don't think they won them by a lot. Uh, uh, think, I can but, tell you that. It was 10-9 to Manly. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Yeah. I mean, at, at the same time, I, I probably what you look at with that is not that it's a bad idea. You look at it and say, if we take this hit up, we have a 50-50 chance of getting the ball back. Yeah, they just, just take that. Yeah, but it, Rex it's says odd, a lot. There are quite a yeah. few times in this game where Rex says, and that's the six. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. They just play out the six and get down, get, get tackled and, and feed the scrum. Yeah, you're right. No game we've seen has had that amount of turnovers. And if we don't go further back, we'll never see another one with that many turnovers. Even it's the 80s imagine. on, you, you won't oh, see no, that. Yeah. No, that's right. You don't see anything like this in the 80s. Well, you don't mm. see it in 81, which we watched, you know. Um, no, nowhere near. It was remarkable. Yeah. Now, I want to share with you the, uh, you just said that the, the first... 20 minutes is probably the best part of the game. Can I share with you mm. a, a comment from Rex? Uh, we can. talked about his, his use of the language. I just want to give you this one. I think it would be incorrect to say that Cronulla haven't had the better of this opening exchange. 
Yeah, I wrote that down too. Um, I don't know why you're speaking in, in double negatives there. Why? why does he just say Cronulla have started brightly, have got the better of this or have started can, well? Can I, can I offer an alternative on this? Why sentence? has he done that? Why has can he I, done that? Can I just offer you what he might have said instead? Yeah. Cronulla have had the better of this opening exchange. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, I'd, it would be incorrect to say that Cronulla haven't had the better of the... It's bizarre. Yeah. Yeah. It is bizarre. Um, it really is. I just have never heard anyone talk like that. So, <laughs> enough. No, it was quite good. It really <laughs> takes me back a bit. Yeah, I'm really sort of stunned. <laughs> yeah. Um, now, a new innovation uh, on the coverage in 1978, a really big, ugly white clock, which kind of periodically turned up on the screen, counting to 40. But what was good about it was that it kind of... It never... It wasn't a full clock face, so it just kind of stopped at the 40 rather than, rather than going the full hour. So it was kind of, yeah, you know what I mean? Um, yeah. It was very odd. They also changed the footage, I meant to say. They changed, they really, like, it was odd. They, they a lot of the games we've watched have this really zoomed out footage from a long yeah, way back. Yeah. And they went really the opposite here and really zoomed in too close. Like, so when a guy was running the ball, you had a really good vision of him, but you couldn't see really anything around him or who his support runners were or anything outside of his really immediate zone. It was um, yeah. really quite odd. Like I, I found it really unsettling and kept trying to zoom out on my TV screen. Yeah. I, couldn't, I couldn't get a good view of what was happening in the game. I just see the guy running with the ball and about a metre either side of him and nothing else. It was really, it was really strange. It was really it, odd. Yeah. It, it's very hard to... Hard to it's watch. Very hard yeah. to watch and very hard to get a sense of what's going. We've been really spoiled by all the camera angles. I found it really difficult mm. to know. You never get a real sense. Even the even the, the elbow forearm kind of incident. Even yeah. then, it's still a bit unclear what's actually happened because the camera angles are so ordinary, and the yeah. the footage is so bad that you kind of you can never be sure what's happened. Yeah, um, yeah, that's right. Yeah. The, now, uh, Edie kicks a penalty goal in the twenty sixth minute to go four two behind quarter line in front. Mm easy enough kick and that leads to uh one of the real moments of this game which is Cronulla doing something which they do three or four times during this game and uh dinking a short kick off yeah good to see isn't it it's um possible precursors to the walker brothers well that's right at the moment <laughs> that's right the yeah descendants of the of sticks yeah, that's uh, yeah. exactly right. It's good to see the original Walker Brothers just hold possession, you know, kick short, short drop out. We didn't see short drop outs. The funny thing about this is that they dink these short kickoffs uh, every time, but never get one back. That's it's no. always it's always still about two meters too long to be contested. Mm. Yeah, you've, you've got to nail them. Yeah. Quite, get it right. Yeah, yeah. I, uh, hey, did you see? Did you yes. see? Um, there was a game this week. I don't know. I'm trying to remember which game it was, but it was a game this week where someone, it, you know, they, they went with the rule that you can kick from behind your own 50 and someone kicked from five metres behind the halfway line, which is still within the rules. I just thought that should be brought up while we're talking kickoffs. Yeah, yeah. I don't a chance to talk it. Yeah, I forgot that that was a rule. So, so I forget which team did it this week. It might have been Manly. They kicked off from five metres back um, from the halfway line in their own half. Which is, um, I just think it just warrants mentioning because we haven't seen that for quite a while. No. While we're talking kickoff tactics. I was just really pleased to see I that. Didn't, back in that the passed me by completely. I didn't notice yeah, that. Yeah, you must have missed Fantastic. that one. It was, yeah. yeah, it was. It was really good. Speaking of innovation, a couple of minutes before half time, Manly chuck up the wall. Yeah. Now, I'm we've glad. talked a little yeah. bit about this in previous episodes, Gazzy, but the wall is, uh, well, I don't know about you, it's one of my favourite things in life. 
seeing someone do this mm. uh, because as it was on this occasion, it was totally pointless and ineffective. Yep. 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 Exactly right. It, it's, um, I live in hope these days. The two things I want to see is a wall. I would love to see a wall from a tap these days. And I would love to see a mouse trap, both yeah. of whom, which I think are two of the great innovations of, of the modern era. Neither um, of which as, have ever at any time say. achieved anything. Yeah. Well, the wall, when, when you take the wall, you obscure the tapper with three or four people standing in front of him. But as soon as he leaves the sort of mild metre arc that those players are in, you quickly see where he is or where he's passed to. Yeah. And, that sort and of sums it. it up, doesn't it? Yeah, because you've got time to react from you. It's five metres back from them. You've sort of got ample time to then to then move accordingly, one might say. Yeah, no, you, you might. Uh, that's right. The, uh, the, the other points of interest out of the first half, Mooney has two tries disallowed over in the corner from nice backline moves. This game could have been very different uh, and could have been remembered very different if one of those had been tries because it's actually quite nice football uh, and he mm. just runs out of space over on the sideline takes out the corner post. It wasn't it good to see an old black and white corner post taken out by a winger. That lifted me right off the ground. I love it. It did. It did. And you're right. It could have been very different because, I mean, if they had, for example, say, uh, the uh, Cronulla's Sione Katoa of uh, 2020, I think they well, would have won by two tries. Like these were, <laughs> by, by the modern winger's standard and with the corner post rule, they probably would have scored both of those tries. But there was probably a sense that one-arm acrobatic put-downs while leaping over the sideline were a little bit beyond the wingers of the 1970s <laughs> in a predominantly <laughs> white game that was played at that time without any well, of the Polynesians and different legendary athletes we have now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. the <laughs> athleticism's not yeah. quite the same. And, the, and no, also, no. they just sort of didn't have another six days a week to spend practicing leaping in the air and putting the ball down with one hand. There is a real sense. Yeah. I, to, yeah. I think, I think I, there's I, a combination of, of semi-professionalism at the general, like I think the innate athleticism of the seventies wingers, I think would be fair to say pales yeah. in comparisons to the two thousands as well. Um, yeah. Because they, but, tended but, yeah, to be, they tended to be little blokes with half a yard of pace. Yeah. Yeah. Was the, was the kind of the setup. Yeah. Yeah, uh, not 100 kilogram people who can run the 111 seconds. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Now, I, I don't want to... Look, listeners at home may tire of my constant references to things that Rex Mossop has said in commentary, but I just... You can't let these things pass. They need to be remembered mm. by history. It's a point of... It's, it's, it's historiography. And I want to share two with you now from the, the, the last two from mm-hmm. the first half. That looks like it could be a good kick. Oh, bless my soul. It's out on the full. <laughs> um, and also, he just kind of in the middle, there's a pause as they pack a scrum or something. And he just says, he just tells everybody that there's a lone policeman standing over by the clock on, in the grandstand. And, adds yeah, nothing, and doesn't explain what the relevance of this is. No, I was waiting for a, um, uh, anything there, actually. Just, I did just, that. Why, why are you telling us this? Yeah. He doesn't yeah. he just kind of, yeah. Um, I don't know what that was about, but I mean, I was glad to hear it. I, I was obviously interested, but I was just hoping. Yeah, we love the police here at the cemetery. Well, obviously. <laughs> yeah. But I just, it just, I don't, I mean, I'm sure there were quite a few police there. Um, yeah. It was sort of a, yeah, with a 50,000 crowd 50, or something. People there. at the cricket yeah. ground. You, yeah. yeah. Anyway. You should volunteer for that job, wouldn't you? If you're one of the coppers, you go, yeah, now I'll do the oh, grand yeah. final. Like, it's oh, not right. a bad day's work. Getting yeah, paid, yeah. standing over by the hill. As long yeah, as everyone... Maybe arrest two dickheads who run on the ground at some point and then go back yeah. and watch the rest of the game. Yeah. A couple of people blowing in the grandstand, yeah. Mm. Uh, halftime, Cronulla 4, Manly 2. Um, and, and they go into the second half and Rex... He starts talking about the Seagulls. 
that are on the field. He says he's never seen this many seagulls at the Sydney cricket ground and then says, mm. I've always been under the impression. <laughs> Sorry. I've always, <laughs> I've always been under the impression that this many seagulls inland is a sign of bad weather. <laughs> yeah. Can I suggest you first off that like it's not that far inland? It's not in, they're not in Dubbo. It's, 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 cricket like it's, yeah. it's not a long flight. Yeah. I just yeah. why why say that? I just, yeah. It really rolled me. I was watching this on, on Friday night and I just like <laughs> He was just obviously just thinking aloud and just yeah. decided to drop Which that out. because He they should kind of, do all the time. He's yeah. kind of padding before they kick off. He <laughs> drops that. One of the things that people love about him the most was his use of the term forward progress. Uh, and, he, <laughs> <laughs> and he tosses one of them out very early in the first half uh, and then says, this again completely lifted me off my feet. Khan, decked hard there, but legitimately, went down like a Polak steer. <laughs> Yeah, I just, yeah, I don't know. He's a, he's a bit off message, isn't he? Like totally off message. Yeah. <laughs> like nobody talk. He says things that would be totally mm. out of place now on a commentary. Mm. Um, Again, down, it's a, there's a lot of Daily John's Cup. Well, I was gonna, let me tell you something. The, the next yeah. time, if in a post-corona world, when they bring back the uh, you know the the, the Laurie mm. Daly Cup and the Andrew Johns Cup. If I do have the privilege of calling it again, I will be yeah. using the term went down like a poleaxed, de- uh, poleaxed steer. Yeah, uh, it'll go well in 2020. If they've got the budget to bring you back, there's been a lot of cuts lately well, in terms of... That's, that's, that's I'm not true. sure they'll have the money. They might not be yeah. able to, they might, might not be able yeah. to afford my, my price. Yeah, that's yeah, true. 50% pay cut. Yeah. Jesus. Yeah. Uh, plenty. Yeah, that's right. Uh, 47th minute, Edie kicks a goal from Whitish on the quarter line from a scrum penalty, of course, to go mm. four all. Uh, Not a bad kick, can I say, because he stunk um, at goal kicking in this game. He, he had yeah. one from halfway to the sideline earlier in the game, um, 25 out halfway to the sideline that hit the 10 metre line halfway to the other sideline, um, as which <laughs> I call I call a Cronin. Um, yes. So it was uh, quite a quite a disgraceful uh, bit of kicking again, and they. Sludge hit all of his and he missed a couple and, yeah, and missed them badly. Six, so yeah. This was quite a good kick because he missed some stinkers. The ones he kicked were pretty easy apart from apart from this one. And, and this one, yeah, that was a, obviously in the end quite an important kick too. Yeah. Yeah. He, uh, and then suddenly in the 50th minute, some football breaks out in a, in a way. Uh, uh, yeah. <clears throat> yeah. In a Luke Walsh way, yeah. Yeah. There's a half break from Mullane, our father mm. of Jai. Don't let it be forgotten. And then uh, uh, there's a kick, a, a, a kind of bomb, which Edie allows to bounce, can't get to it. It bounces very high. You can get a sense of how hard the SCG turf was. There would have been some cuts and bruises and grazes out of this. Goodness me. Uh, the ball goes flying up into the air off the ground. Uh, and it's Edmonds, the winger for Cronulla, who comes down with the ball to score. He gets, the, uh, he gets them out to 7-4. And then Rogers kicks the goal to go 9-4 in front. Now, remembering at this point that Manly... Down 13-3 in the minor semi-final. Down 11-2 in the minor semi-final replay. Now find themselves 9-3 behind. Oh, sorry, 9-4 behind in the grand final. In a very tight, like a very tense and tight game with 30 minutes to go. But they're not behind for long because it's Mooney 
who scores for Manly three minutes later. And guess what? It's off a bomb that's allowed to bounce. Uh, mm. And again, it bounces a mile up in the air. It's, well, this one was kicked by Mullane. Uh, sorry, kicked to Mullane. He kind of drops it in a challenge. There was a little bit of a hint that Mooney might have knocked it out of his hands, but it then bounces a mile up in the air. Mooney grabs it and uh, gets the ball down. Uh, and in probably the highlight of the game for me, in trying to get far too close to see what happened, uh, to make a call which most likely would have been wrong, Greg Hartley is knocked over by the oncoming chases and gets up covered in streamers to award the try. That is so funny. I really recommend anyone watch this. This is the part you would want to get of the game, is that he, in getting over to get too close, as you say, he sort of goes ass over and he's on the ground, but he gets up trying to hide that he's done it because he's sort of too cool to have fallen over. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he gets up and he's just like trying to run off, but all these streamers are trailing from his leg and he's running off trying to stomp them off and he stomps one off, but the other one's still stuck. So he's running he's down every, trying to stomp these. He's yeah, got a couple over his shoulder his and stuff as well. It's wonderful. It's just such a great representation of rugby league and just, that just the, the complete incompetence and amateurness that it's always been run with to this day. It's yeah. just that, like the biggest game of the year, the biggest time of the year, and it's just it, the ground is strewn in streamers and you have this try being scored and people trying to stomp through piles of streamers in the in goal. Like people pulling streamers off themselves as they try and celebrate this grand final try. The referees covered in them. There's players with them stuck to their arms. It's just it's so good. funny. I love this sport. I really do. Uh, yeah, and you're it right. Deeply. It's, it's a great mm. representation of what a stupid game this is. Uh, it, yeah, it, and, and you know, I've got to tell you that seeing Hartley go down like that, I mean, you'd have to say Hartley went down like a pole-like steer. Well, you would, and look, there's nothing funnier um, than referees going over. That's that's never been more true. Um, you know, Andrew Voss has been the leading sort of proponent of the referee falling over movement for about 25 years yeah, now. Right. Um, there is nothing as funny as that. There, there just isn't. No. Um, obviously, the gold standard would be Tony Adelaher uh, being knocked out cold by Tony Carroll in, yeah. in a game and having to be carried off, uh, concussed. That, that's obviously the gold standard. But in any context where an official falls over, it's just automatically very funny. That's it. And I like a linesman falling over on his, but only if he's on his wing. Yep. It's much funnier if he's on his wing, if he goes and slips over. It's very funny. Yeah. I always, uh, I think I got you the other week with one where the referee fell over and I, t- I just start immediately texting you in all capitals, mate, are you yep. watching that? You have to put this on. The ref's just fallen yep. over. And it was only, <laughs> it was, it was only in the background. Like it was, <laughs> it was only on the edge of shot. So they never commented on it. There was no replay, yeah, but my, I picked it up immediately, went and on KO, went back 15 seconds. You know, you've got that go back, like that 15 second mm, rewind. Great that. Yeah. I've, I've gone the 15 second rewind to make sure that I took footage of the referee falling over so that I could send it mm. to you. Yeah, you know, it's good that. I mean, I've done the same thing this week with the, uh, the Cody Nicarima, Tony Iroh run backwards. Run backwards. A 15 yeah, second yeah. go back on KO is the best invention in modern times. Um, I also got the wrong facing play the ball last week. You of can course. just go back to key things like this, really important yeah, moments, right. and make sure you've got them recorded on your mobile phone for, until it sort of breaks. For, and for posterity, you know, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but this is kind of, this is the moment where the game breaks out, but it's, they're not good tries and there's nothing really to say about them other than like the fact that Hartley fell over. Like, kind no, of, they put kicks up and it's a 50-50 when you put a bomb up, um, especially in that era when you could boot it into the end goal without conceding a 20 tap. It's just so, uh, it's just so chancy. You put it in there and you might, you, admittedly they bounce anyway, but I mean, you can just put it in there with no consequence. It can't really go against you. You're probably going to score or get a dropout. Like what else? Unless you drop it yourself trying to score, the only th- results that can 
sort of come out of it are good, aren't they? I'm surprised people didn't kick him to the ink hole more because he basically, no. if you can chase it and get close enough to tackle it, nothing bad can happen. So, you know, it's just one of those things. They got a bit of luck, both teams. They put it in there and it fell for them. Yeah, that's it. They're just chancy tries. Um, now, you imagine how many we'd see now if you didn't have oh. 20 tackles. If you just kicked in the in goal and you go, well, you know, at worst case, we're going to get a drop out. There'd be so many tries because you just well, don't leap up and make it a mess. Yeah. But no, but no, but you see now, because the thing that strikes me about this, this game and the previous game is that you're just talking about using the six tackles mm. as a tactic and kicking mm. out on the full as a tactic and stuff like this. The thing now is that the game has been kind of uh, professionalised and industrialised in such a way that if there was a loophole, any loophole like this that exists now, they would never do anything else. They, yeah, would, just, yeah, they would just bomb yeah. in the end goal every time yeah. until they had to change the rule. Because this is what yeah. happens, right? Like, um, it's like that period where they had to change the rule because everyone worked out that if the, the best player on every team was the fullback and the way to take mm. them out of the game is just like absolutely punt the ball dead, make yeah. no attempt to keep it in the field. They had to change the rule because it was just getting... Um, yeah, every set was a 20 tap. Yeah. Once one coach works out a little a little rule like that, they just all do it. Mm. Remember, i tell you a great one. Remember the <clears throat> foot out, bat the ball dead year? Yeah, yeah. Remember when someone worked out that you... Like someone worked out that you should just do this every opportunity and then everyone yeah. was doing it and crowds were booing. And before, within a year, they had to change the rule. Uh, yeah, yeah it, that's exactly right. Yeah, this sort of stuff happens all the time, and but it, it you couldn't have it, it. It's just an option that they have in this seventy-eight. Whereas if it happened today, it would be the thing that everybody does until no, they have you, to change it. You're exactly right. Like what seemed to happen then is they had an idea of how rugby league was played, and they vaguely kept to that idea, no matter what weird rules were there. So you know they didn't try and kick out on the full because kicking out on the full was nominally bad, even though like I mean all it did was give you a scrum, so it didn't really yeah. matter. And, and the same with this stuff, like they just you play football a certain way, so they just all played a certain way. They didn't go well. We should just kick every kick into the in goal and just the whole possession for until they crack. It was yeah. just no. You just you know that's not really. Yeah, you're right. It is. It's sort of um, it's sort of moneyballed in a way where it's very percentageized now. Like, oh, you know, if we kick it to this spot, we're sort of five times out of ten we'll score. So we'll kick it there ten times and not do anything else because we'll come yeah. away with five tries or whatever. And yeah, no, that that's pretty pretty spot on, I think. But it's um, yeah, it's a bizarre rule. I tell you, like for all the people joke or, or, or pick on the NRL a lot for rule changes and there's been some stinkers over the years but for, for a large degree quite a few of them are for the betterment of the game yeah, and certainly have, the scrum ones the 20 taps and these sorts of things definitely were for the betterment they've, they've of, managed of the to, sport yeah. they've managed to expunge some of the wor- some of the more headless bizarre elements um yeah 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 uh another one another bizarre rule that existed that we talked about in in great detail last week is the scrums uh, some of the rules around the scrums. There is a penalty for a collapsing scrum, uh, which leads to Graham Eady's goal to send Manly 11-9 and put them in front for the first time in the game. Uh, the only thing I would say about that is how the hell could you tell who who collapsed it? This is the trouble with rugby union, right? Where someone, there's this massive body, someone, they all fall to the ground and then the referee through either, like either through uh, telepathy or uh, clairvoyance just sticks his arm out one way and says, "Oh no, no, no that, was, that was a penalty against you." Um, that was that was that was Manly that collapsed the scramble. That was Cronulla. Uh, it's very very odd. We watched yep. that replay. They replay that. Uh, Rex demands a replay, and we watched the replay. And I, don't I have no idea what. They just, why, it just collapsed. collapsed it. 
Yeah. yeah, it just falls over. And our view was as good as the referee's. It was from the other side, but it was in the same spot. And, and he said the hooker collapsed it, so you should be able to see from either side. And it didn't appear. It just seemed like a bunch of sweaty men headbutted each other. And it sort of like then fell due to the headbutting of each other and pushing rather than, you know, sometimes it holds up. But it didn't because, you know, that's what happens when a lot of men sort of just headbutt each other and shoulder, shoulder into each other and wrestle. Yeah, sometimes it just sort of doesn't stay standing up. And the thing <laughs> so, about yeah, this is that, that the thing about this is that this 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 is like this is a twenty there are only twenty two points in this game. And mm. I think ten of them are from or maybe yeah. even twelve of them are from scrum penalties. This one gives Manly the lead and takes them out eleven nine. Uh mercifully it, it does take Cronulla a little so Cronulla are under pressure here and need to save themselves and they get it takes them until the seventy second minute uh to level up with what you said earlier it was quite a clutch kick from Steve Rogers. Uh but where did it come? Scrum penalty on the quarter line, yeah. out wide, and Rogers roasts it through the posts to go eleven all. But but again, it's a great kick. But again, you know, it's just this luck of the ball goes in, yeah. everybody falls over and the ref goes, Oh yeah, you can have that one in yeah. in kicking range. Uh, it's remarkable how much the penalties. I don't know if this is a bias or whether there were tactics different. I'm not sure whether it was the players doing something different. If you had a scrum near your try line or what it was, but it's remarkable how many times the penalty goes to the team that's within range of scoring. Range, like, yeah. yeah, when you look at it, the it's very rare that the the team that are defending their try line is the one that gets the scrum penalty. It seems to inevitably go to the team on the attack that's 20 mm. or 30 out. I don't know if that's a referee bias, whether you did get, maybe you were more aggressive in the scrum when you were defending to try and turn possession and win it. And you know what I mean? Like you might've taken a risk if you were a hooker to try and get the ball back rather than have the other mm. team attacking 20. Out. I've got no idea whether that was what, why, but it just, I think across both games, it's very noticeable that the attacking team near attacking the trial line ends up with the penalty a lot. Yeah, no, that's true. Mm. Uh, a real moment of insight from Barry Ross with seven minutes to go in the grand final with the scores level and 11 all. Uh, he says, a field goal could win this. They'll be looking to work for one. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we'll win it if the other team doesn't get a penalty goal or a try. Um, yep. And it's not long to go. So that seems a reasonable supposition. <laughs> yeah. I thought that was, I thought that was um, fair comment. Uh, now, there is a bit of a narrative around this game that Cronulla could have won if Steve Rogers had not missed a field goal. Uh, mm. Now, it is true that Steve Rogers missed a field goal in the 75th minute, which I must look, must admit looked like a fairly good shot off the boot, uh, but mm. goes right. Uh, but what people fail to mention is that uh, uh, Steve Martin, formerly of Cheaper by the Dozen, uh, also misses a field goal uh, mm. a bit later. So, you know, it's, it's, a little bit di- yeah, it's a little bit difficult to pin it on poor old Sludge. Uh, it's a little bit difficult when he hit every single goal and the Manly goal kicker missed two. So technically, if he kicked his field goal and Manly kicked all their goals, um, they would have lost anyway. And technically, he also kicked all the goals. So like they also wouldn't have been in a position to have a tied grand final if he hadn't have booted everything all game. <laughs> yeah, it's worth it. Manly get a penalty on halfway and Barry says, well, this could be Manly's turn for a field goal, maybe. Yeah. yeah. Uh, it's, it's insight... Now, this is uh, this this comes to the end of this game, mm-hmm. which is um, remarkable uh, because it doesn't seem clear to anybody what's going to happen. Now they had a drawn grand final the year before, and it appears that at some point in the intervening twelve months, somebody at the New South Wales Rugby League has decided we can't have that happen again. Right? 
this situation of 20 minutes extra time and then a replay. We can't have that again. So what did they get rid of, Gazzy? Uh, the extra time. They didn't, the get rid of the re- they didn't get rid of the replay, did they? Look, this is just, this is just stunning because, like I said before, that it's bizarre. You just said, oh, they never changed the rule before 77. That must have never changed. And I said to you, yeah, but someone wrote that rule once and at no yeah. time in history was this a sensible way to decide it. And then this is worse because, okay, someone wrote it once, they never looked at it again and they got caught out in 77. But in 78, they've sat <laughs> down and said, this is what happened. Like, you know, you do a review. This is, the, you know, we had something happen in the grand final. What do we think of that system? What do we think of the system of extra time to try and decide it on the day and then a re- play if it can't happen and how do we improve that and the response that they came up with was to just totally call it off after 80 minutes and have everyone come back with no attempt to decide it on the nope. day yeah I, I what, just how, don't how think... is that the meeting like you had the meeting how did they come up with this i don't see the thing about 77 is it yeah it still ends up in a draw after 20 minutes but there are about five field goal shots there's a penalty goal shot there are plenty of opportunities for somebody to score a point that wins them the game and instead of doing that again, they just go, oh, no, no, we're just, if it's a draw, it's a draw. We're going to come back next week. But in this case, they can't come back next week because the kangaroo tour is the kangaroo tourists are leaving the following weekend. And if there's one thing we know about the, the, the history of rugby league administration in New South Wales, it is that the kangaroo tour supersedes all things. There is nothing more important than the kangaroo tour. And so Not least because they get to go, like all these officials yeah, get to the, go in their places the, to England. Yeah, the places, <laughs> yeah. That's right. Uh, so it is uh, the, the match has to be played the following Tuesday, but they don't know this at this point. So there's all this speculation in the press box about what's going to happen. Barry they haven't says, scheduled a day, have they? No, there's they no haven't date. said there's a replay day if needed. Barry Ross says... Uh, he just points out that the Kangaroo Tour is next weekend. Moose says, well, they should play extra time in my view, but he doesn't, he, it's not quite certain. I get the sense that there had been some kind of ruling through the week, but it's not quite certain what's going to happen. Uh, he, Moose says, oh, the league has indicated no extra time. And then finally, it, again, the second year in a row, the lead commentator on the television network is left hanging his head out the window of the commentary box to try and get a sense of what they're saying. And he's final, And finally, he says, "I'm just listening." The ground announcers just said the game's going to be replayed on Tuesday afternoon. So the New South Wales RL officials are in the crowd watching this with a bottle of champagne or whatever in their stupid fur coats, and have yep. just like plucked a date out of the air whilst it was ongoing. You know what? We'll play it next Tuesday. It it. To go back to our original point, of at some point there was a meeting about what happened in 77, you know, yeah. a review. Like, well, this is what happened. Did we think it was good, bad or indifferent? And do we want to change it and how? Yes. They knew about the kangaroo tour at that point. So did. they knew that the kangaroo tour was going to go. So they said, yes. they sat down and made this rule knowing that if this did happen, they've yeah. changed the rule. So we're going to change the rule. What might happen, you know, if this happens next year? Well, there is a kangaroo tour. So we should take into account that we actually can't replay the game a week later, do yeah. we still want to go ahead? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no worries. We'll play it on Tuesday. <laughs> a midweek grand final replay. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it was the mind. It's, it's quite it's insane. It is quite insane. Friend of the show, Chris, uh, suggests that the reason why, and I think there is, I had the same thought. Uh, he suggests that if, there, if it was still a draw after extra time, um, like they they didn't play extra time because they had they knew that they would have to play a replay on Tuesday, 
And so they, there might have been a view that playing 100 minutes and then having a replay three days later might be a bit much, uh, which I think is possibly the kind of that point. Like yeah. I think that's possibly the kind of thing they could have thought. I think Chris is probably right that it yeah. is the kind of logic that the the league would have applied. Well, I don't know if we're going to have a replay, then we can't play the extra time. I just think yeah. very, I, I just think they've got it. Like they might have put the quiet car before the horse a little bit. Yeah, a couple of things. I I don't think that's an unreasonable uh, suggest, like a reasonable sort of like they yeah. might have had. But yeah, explanation. Sorry, but at the same time, it's yeah, it's also mental because. Um, they a might have decided an extra time. B you can actually play extra time indefinitely. And C like I mean the horses bolted at the final series. Manly have had and the eighty yeah. minutes and playing it on Tuesday. I just don't think the twenty minutes at the end of the set, like the Saturday was going to be the thing that just totally made the concept of the replay unworkable. Like they've already yeah. played eighty, and you know like you were happy for them to play like six times, five times already in twenty days. I mean that you know, extra twenty, 20 minutes, minutes is going to be the killer. Yeah, yeah, Cronulla, had a, Cronulla, you know, yeah. Look, I, I don't. I don't quite understand it. I think the highlight of the whole project is, is Barry's comment. Yes. Right, where he says, um, they go, well, they're going to play, replay the game on Tuesday, but they're going to, na- you know, how are they going to, and then Rex goes, how are they going to name the kangaroo tour team tonight? Like, are they going to be named and then play? And Barry goes, well, if they're selected on the, in, on Sunday in the kangaroo tour, surely the, the, the league won't let them play on Tuesday. Stop that yep. for a moment. Like, yeah. Fair income. So, yep. The, a commentator, like, is paid to do this job as someone who's supposed to have some sort of knowledge of rugby league, thinks yeah. that the, the kangaroo tour is so important that if they do name the kangaroo tour squad as planned on the Sunday, yeah. that they shouldn't let these guys play in the replay. So feasibly, I don't know who was in the kangaroo tour from this team, but theoretically you might have had, say, had the grand final replay without, say, Steve Rogers and, you know, Graham, Krillich Graham and, Eady. and Graham Eady, that they might Terry play Reed. the grand final. Yeah, yeah without all of the best players intentionally it's unbelievable. Um, so as to preserve the, the sanctity of the kangaroo tour. That is, <clears throat> that is one of the most stunning pieces of comment on a rugby league game I've ever, ever. heard. It was unbelievable. Ever. I went, hang on, what? You just go, well, they won't let them play. They won't let them play on Tuesday if they've been named for the test side. Yeah. They shouldn't have let them play the whole, uh, they shouldn't have let them play the whole final the whole, series. Well, the whole, so I think I'd go step <laughs> yeah. further. So they shouldn't have let them play the whole season. If they yeah, that's right. Name a thirty-man train-on squad at the start of the season, mm. and then just keep them fresh for the kangaroo yeah. tour. You can't have yeah. them bashing each other up all all the year. Um, Fuck of the grand final. Yeah, yeah, because you've got to go. You've got to beat England. Yeah, know, uh, yeah. Again, again in in, yeah. in Wigan. Yeah. Uh, now Rex is very displeased about all of this. I think that that's understatement. Very displeased about all of this and uh, Mm. about the lack of extra time says I strenuously believe the rugby league are in error Mm. which is well put Uh, because the funny thing about it is what happens is that Cronulla I think whoever ends up with the ball takes a tackle the hooter goes and nobody seems to know what's going to happen particularly Mm. in the crowd Mm. this is it so it's the second year in a row the crowd don't know what's going to happen and then all the players eventually make their way off and the crowd start booing and then yep. finally they make the announcement. And so there is no, there doesn't appear to have been any communication about what would happen if there was a, if there was a draw, despite there having been a draw the year before. That's what was noticeable. So there's sort of two elements to that. Firstly, um, the way they seem to all work it out is that um, Dickhead Hartley just starts 
prancing off the field really quickly. Like he makes a tackle, doesn't talk to any player and sprints off. And he just yeah. sprints off with his touchies. And that's when the players sort of look at each other, look across, look at the referee running off and go, right, okay, it's over. It's that's a draw. It. Yeah. Um, he doesn't he doesn't stop to tell anyone or say anything. Just prances off like a fucking wanker, and then <laughs> I, and then so I just don't like him much. And then awful. at the same and then at the same time, the the crowd just starts booing their heads off, which is just fascinating. Like to get again to make the point of how bizarre this is and how the league came up with this is they've just got fifty thousand people just absolutely stinking it at this being the decision, just howling and they've booing. To, they've managed it's, to unite the supporters of both teams in the grand final against them. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, just just watch it. Just completely dissatisfied with what happened. Um, interestingly, this is another. You know, I mean, the scheduling can't be helped here if you're going to have a replay. But every other replay that happened in this final series um, occurred during. Um, so, like the other replay and stuff happened during the school holidays, ah. which were now over. So when Manly played um, Parramatta. Yeah, that was that was in the the school holidays. So you have a, a basically that's played where you could get all this big crowd there during the week, and this I one was played had, where I think they had fifty thousand there. Yeah. So what ends up happening now is that the relevance obviously is that people are now at work, and yeah. you know because a lot of people have time off on holidays, people have work, and the kids <laughs> are at school. So quite feasibly, you were unable to go, and like like feasibly because it's a day game, kids might not even have been able to watch. Which, I mean, I wouldn't have been at school. You can take that as red. No, <laughs> neither. If the grand final was at 2 o'clock on a school day, I would be finding a way to not be at school. But yeah. isn't, that just, isn't that like a wonderful sort of market, well, my, marketing ploy, a promoter's dream, weekday grand final during school hours? Yeah, that's right. It's incredible. Yeah. Now, my, I mean, my parents used to pull me out of school to, to watch the Melbourne Cup every year, if that's mm. any guide. So I think I would have been okay to catch a grand final replay. But... Um, there are a couple of people we, we chucked up on Facebook through the week. What do you remember about this game? A uh, friend of the show, Glenn, says, being there as a nine-year-old, seeing the mighty Balmain Tigers reserve grade claim the silverware. Oh, yeah, and the drawn first grade game, which is good. It's good that he's... Uh, right order. Yeah. It's good that he's, he's bailed on school to what, but, but to, for the reserve grade because Balmain were yeah. in the reserve grade grand final. Um, oh, hang on. No, though, he, that would have been on the Saturday, the reserve grade. Don't mind me. But uh, he was there as a nine-year-old. Uh, but mm. Alex, uh, friend of the show, says jigging school to go to the game. So he must have been at the replay. Mm. Yeah. Now, the question that that raises is whether he, when he says jigging school, I wonder if he had the express permission of his parents to be at the game or whether he's, in fact, mm. whether he's toddled off in the morning in his school uniform and then gone, yeah, mm. no, I'm heading to Randwick, baby. Let's yeah. go. <laughs> yeah. Good on him. Absolutely good on him. Yeah. Uh, you can't, you know. You can't get tangled up. I mean, one day of school versus a grand final replay. Which one's going to teach you more? Oh, I was bothered enough back in the days, like, you know, when, when test cricket still mattered. I was bothered enough when school was still on for the first couple of tests sometimes. You know? Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. I thought I should get the whole test off. The Australia playing Sri Lanka and beating him by 300 runs. I thought I should be having that, that whole week off, the first get, two or the first three weekdays of the test yeah. off. Oh, there's nothing um, worse to, than to knowing. In, yeah. There's nothing worse than being in class and knowing that Gilly had just come in. Yeah, something much more important was happening. You can't, yeah, and like, I think. You, Drawn yeah. grand final goes into that category, doesn't it? Grand final replay. I missed, through being at school, I missed the Glenn McGrath hat-trick against the West Indies and the mm. Hobart miracle, the Gilchrist Langer Hobart miracle due to being at school. Yeah. There's nothing worse. Um, no, I had a, how's this? I had a mate in primary school whose parents used to send him to bed at half time in big football on, in like state of origins and things like that. On what grounds? Because it was a school night. 
Yeah, Jesus. Well, would he be? But is he homeless now? Like, sort of on the living on the street. Yeah, that's that's not setting your kid up for success. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Can you imagine? Yeah, no, that's fair. Like, yeah, like I would have been straight. I would have been straight on the phone to the Department of Community Services. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, at the very least, there'd be an administrative review. Oh no, there'd be there'd be an an intervention. The government, yeah, yeah, Yeah. the department would have to get involved. Um, yeah, that is that's child abuse. I, I imagine he's not doing well in life now. I don't know, but I assume that's right. Husk of a man. Yeah. 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 Sorry, mate. You got to go to bed. It's bedtime. Um, yeah, that would be the end. That's of abhorrent. It. Abhorrent. Yeah, it, it's, it's just bad yeah. parenting, isn't it? It's, it's yeah. reprehensible. Yeah, yeah. Now, uh, I so Rex very upset about the lack of extra time, and then says he he breaks the fourth wall, and says to his viewers, and I've taken this down verbatim for your listening pleasure, uh, people at home. All right. Now I know your viewers will pardon me. You, uh, sorry, I know you viewers will pardon me as I address some of the remarks. To, uh, if let me start again, the, the language is very convoluted. It's going to take me a few goes to get this right. <laughs> All right. Now I know your viewers. You viewers will pardon me if I address some repar- remarks to my director, Phil Berry, because we had certain plans in the eventuality of a result, and I am now under the impression, Phil that there's very little point in going into the dressing rooms today at this time to do interviews with a replay to come up on Tuesday. um, There's a couple of things about that. Firstly, it's obviously just, I it's convoluted and and twisted rubbish, but um, I think, can I make the point that it's a very, we're at a very different time in the media world where (laughs) a drawn grand final would be a time where there would be no point speaking to the players. Like today we have to speak to like, Nathan Cleary to find out what he had for breakfast before a game or like Caelan Ponga, like, you know what I mean? Like Caelan Ponga takes a photograph and they have to ask him about his like passion for art. Um, yeah. Yet Rex thinks that it's vaguely and completely pointless to interview pointless. a player after a drawn grand final that finished, you know, in a tie. And Nobody like thinks it's for, important to see what anyone thought or felt a about tries, that. Or, yeah. missed, for, missed field goal attempts, all of this. No, no. Mm, the waste of yeah. time. What, are we, what, what bothers talking to them? They failed. Yeah. Failed to yeah, produce a yeah. result, the losers. They've got nothing to say. Yeah. Nothing that I need to hear. Yeah. And, mm. But also... It's probably not untrue, but yeah, it's a, a very things, funny uh, shift. <laughs> naming the director. I've got to talk to my director, Phil Berry. He really tickled me. <laughs> and also... And also, just this bit, we had certain plans in the eventuality of a result. Yeah. Certain plans being interviewing the players in the dressing room. Yeah, it's just a wonderful mastery of the English language. You know, it's too many words and too many ways to put them together and just yeah. wait. Sort of isn't Fantastic. comfortable just doing it like everyone else. Yeah, that's it. Uh, so that, 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 that was fantastic. And uh, th- th- there is a, there's no... It, it very much appears that there was just a few cameramen and a sound operator and the director. And so there's no support. There's nobody handing any notes or anything because everyone's occupied doing their job. Like, yeah. So there's no backstop. If things go wrong, you just, you just have to work. The, the commentator has to work it out. Mm. You know, like I think Rex Moss of calling this game was laboring under largely similar conditions uh, to the conditions in which I have called like Newcastle rugby league games for online streaming purposes, you know, like there's not much difference in the technology mm. available and the amount of information available and the yeah. support. It's just you, you're, you're on air and you've got to figure it out. Yeah. Oh, you never miss a chance to drop that in there though, do you? But yeah, I take your point. Um, take your point broadly. It's, um, yeah, well, yeah, you got, <laughs> yeah, it's a big claim. It's a big, it's a yeah. big flex. <laughs> 
yeah, but no, you're right. Like it's just sort of uh, yeah, in there. If anything needs to be found out or gotten, all you do is sort of yell at Barry and. <laughs> Yeah, that's it. Poor Barry. Yeah, I reckon Barry might have had a hard life. You know, it would be yeah. remiss to mention that uh, the replay did happen on the Tuesday in front of 33,552 at the SCG. God, there would have been some disappointed kids. Like, there would have been mm. a real, there would have been a lot of kids who were in the unfortunate position of having parents who were too strict to let them go to the game mm. on a school day and who weren't mm. kind of, weren't bolshy enough to bail and like wag school mm. and turn up. Mm. There would have been a lot. Can you imagine being at yeah, school? Awful. Can yeah. you imagine being in a classroom, two o'clock rolls around, you know the game, or three o'clock rolls right. around, you know the yeah. game's about to kick off, like down the Shire or somewhere, your team's in the grand final, you know it's happening and you can't watch it? Yeah. It, would mean, have been it, people, yeah, it wouldn't like, have happened to me, but yeah. People talk about the, yeah. People talk about, the, you know, the, um, the four minute mile and that kind of thing and, you know, John Landy and all of this. Uh, I can tell you, and uh, who was it, Sebastian? Who was the bloke that ran the forward? Uh, Roger, Roger Bannister, and all of this. Mm. Uh, I can tell you right now that uh, I, I suggest that the fastest mile ever run would have been a kid in the Shire running home to get in front of the telly to get to yeah. get the rest of the game in once school Catch knocked off end. at three o'clock or yeah, at three thirty or whenever it was. Um, that's where your world record is uh, unclocked, uh, mm. but. Yeah. And of course, just as happened that the strangest thing about this, of course, is that in 77, we have a nine all draw and then St. George walloping Parramatta 22 nil in the grand final in the replay. On this occasion, we have an 11 all draw and Manly in their sixth game in 24 days, walloping Cronulla 16 nil in front of those 33,552 at the SCG. Uh, Gartner, Russell Gartner scored two Graham Eady scored kicked three from eight goals and a field goal and I believe uh, I could be wrong I, I think I read through the week that Graham Eady remains the only person to have scored a try kicked a goal and kicked a field goal in a grand final it's a wonderful record it's really this is a really niche piece of knowledge that I'm glad to have now um, yeah 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 it is it is funny isn't it because um mainly beat Cronulla a week or two before the finals so they ended up playing three times in, in the space of about sort of seven weeks. Mm. So no. yeah. yeah. Cronulla so played Manly five times yeah. in 1978 and only beat them in the first week of the semis. Yeah. They lost both yeah. games during the year. Just and funny, isn't it, that they played? They would have played three times across about a, you know, a seven-week stretch. Four or times. Shorter, four, four, times. four times, yeah. Four across times in a very, yeah. In, yeah, in about sorry, the replay. Yeah. yeah, four times in about six weeks. It's um, it's yeah, like I mean, again, it's just a very unusual quirk of the system that was around that you could play that many times in that short of a time frame. Yeah, yeah, that's it. And because the during the regular season, Manly had beaten them twenty seven eight twenty six four, mm. um, and that and that kind of it's it's almost as if finally in the replay that regular season form kind of restored itself and it was back to Manly yeah. really walloping them like they had during the season. Uh, yeah, but there it is. Uh, Gazzy, all of that is bizarre. The ending is hilarious. Like I, I it really the because especially having watched seventy seven the week before, you think oh well, they, you you kind of think oh well there won't be any confusion. We kind of made fun of the confusion in seventy seven mm. of like the commentators not knowing how much extra time was going to be played and whether mm. there was going to be an additional five minutes each way and all this, and then or whether there was going to be extra time at all, and then. You get to 78 and you think, oh, well, this, this is going to be another draw, but it won't be as funny because they'll have sorted this out. 
No. Yeah. They've no. changed the that they've caused more confusion, changed the rule, and made it worse. Yeah, yeah, more, it's much, the same amount of confusion, but a worse under a worse system that yeah. causes like everyone to leave angry at the ground and booing the league. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. I'm very glad that we, as much as this, you know, is a fairly turgid affair. I'm glad that we watched it, and that we now understand the miracle of '77 and '78. Yeah, yeah, that's right. I think uh, it's time to get out of the 70s. I'm looking forward to just shooting forward in time, but I'm very glad we went back there. I, I, I'm glad we watched this game. As we said, it was like it was a fairly scrappy game that didn't reach any great heights, but uh, it's very important historically, I think. You know, there's obviously everything we've talked about, the the the, re- the no extra time, the the replay a couple of days later, Manly's run to get there, the looming kangaroo tour, uh, all of that off the back of the year before draw, I think makes it quite historically important, along with the fact that Cronulla, you know, Cronulla's probably this day was their best chance to to sort of um, win a competition right through until they finally did one and that we wouldn't have that whole history of not doing it without this. So all, for all those reasons, I'm very glad we went back there. I think it's an important one to to remember and I'm looking forward to shooting, shooting forward and watching football where, you know, kicks out and the full are punished and there's no scrums. I couldn't have put it better than that, Gazzy. That's a beautiful summation. Uh, until next time, we're signing off from the Rugby League Cemetery. Draw. Cool.